Thank you, Pastor Dan. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, FCC. Wow, we are doing church in such a different way. Thank God for technology. Today, as I start the first of our four-part series on prayer, I want to first turn us to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 9. Shall we read from that? The Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate, think on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Church, truly we are living in unprecedented times. There's so much uncertainty, there's so much turmoil all around us. But I want you to know God is saying He is at hand. Wherever you are right now, God says He is at hand. Let that be an encouragement to all of us this morning. I would like us to pray right now. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we just want to thank You that You are at hand. You are our anchor in our times of trouble. You are our hope and you are our tower. We can run to you, Lord, at this time. You are a present presence. Lord, we want to thank you that you are so real in our lives. And Father, we thank you for your word. We want to open up our hearts right now to you, O Lord, for you are a God who is so good and so real to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A couple of years ago, an elderly man came to FCC and uh, he accepted Christ. So I invited him to our cell group and he said, okay. But actually he had no intentions of joining us. But after he came the first time, he came again and again. After a couple of weeks, actually I found out that he was a long-time member and a high-level member of a cult. And my husband and I went to visit him and asked him whether he was willing to give up all the things that was associated with the cult. But he said he wasn't ready. So what we did was we discipled him over a period of two, three months in the Word of God. And one day, he called me. He said he was finally ready to give it all up. And so I asked him, so what changed? And this was what he told me. Firstly, he said he found his family. You know, he actually did not have a family, so to speak. He was actually going through years of pain alone. He has a son who has autism and his wife has OCD. And he was the housekeeper, he was the cook, he was the carer, he was the breadwinner, all in one. And there was no one to care for him. He was walking this journey of pain all alone until he came to church, until he came to Connect Group. And then he found love and warmth and he kept coming again and again. Then the second thing he told me was that he felt that, and he found that God answered his prayer. You see, in the cult, he actually was allowed one prayer request a year. And this prayer had to be written and it would be translated into Japanese and sent to Japan. 
and then he has to pay a sum of money for it. And he did this for years, but he didn't see any answer to his prayer until he started praying and we started praying for him, his family and his son. And his son started actually becoming less and less violent. Church, God answers prayer. And prayer is such a privilege to all of us. And yet prayer really is the hardest, one of the hardest discipline for us to sustain. And it is the easiest to neglect. We can go through times of want, we can go to times of abundance, we can be very busy, or we even on a holiday. Whatever times we go through, prayer is the first thing we let go in our walk with God. If we have to forego something, prayer is the first thing that we will forego. Cory Tamboon once said, is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? And church, I have had my fair share of days when I had gone through and I told myself, I don't feel like praying today. And I remember one of those times was when I first came to Perth. I was really going through a difficult time, just adjusting to the change, adjusting to the change in the environment. And I could not pray and I did not feel like praying and that really frightened me. It really scared me because I knew and I know that God is my only hope. God is my only strength. He's my only way out. And so what I did was this. I found a CD, a worship CD on, on warfare. I put it on and I sang to it. I sang to it aloud. And when I began to worship, something happened inside. Something pried open within me and I started to be able to talk to God again. And I talked to God aloud. I began to pray against what the enemy was doing in my life. 1 Peter 5, 7-9 says, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. And church, how do we cast our anxiety on Him unless we pray? Be alert, the Apostle Paul says, and be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We have an enemy waiting to pounce on us. But do you know what is more scary than not going to God in prayer? It's when we are okay. We are fine. We are happy with not going to God in prayer. It's when we think that it's not necessary to pray. Church, the times when we don't feel like praying, pray all the more. The devil is not afraid of a prayerless Christian. You know, in Matthew 6, 5, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He said, when, not if, you pray. So God expects us to pray. But if God expects us to pray, and prayer is so integral to our Christian life, why do all of us, myself included, struggle with prayer? I suggest three reasons. Firstly, as in our sinful nature, we are actually inherently self-dependent. It's actually counterintuitive for us to let go of being dependent on ourselves and to let go of being in control because prayer really 
is dependence on God. Prayer leads us to be reliant on Him. Prayer is saying to myself and to God, God, I need you. Even when I know how, even when I have the knowledge or the skill or the gift, prayer is saying to God, God, it is your wisdom that I need, your divine wisdom that I need, your solution that I need in my situation. So prayer is dependence on God. Not, not It's coming away from self-dependence. Secondly, I think prayer is hard to sustain because we have wrong mindsets or wrong views of God. Our beliefs actually inform our behaviour. How we see God affects how we do our Christian life. The secret church to sustaining our prayer life is to have the right view of God. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Number three, the devil does not want us to pray. And he will do anything to keep you, to keep me from praying. So prayer really is one weapon that we have against Him. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. Church, prayer is laying hold of that divine power who is God alone to demolish strongholds. That is what prayer can do for us, church. Now prayer has its external forms. It's different, different expressions. We can pray aloud. We can pray quietly. We can pray with lifted hands. We can raise a shout to God. We can kneel. We can stand. We can sit. We can even lie down to pray. Prayer includes thanksgiving, intercession, petitions, supplications, big words, right? Repentance, declarations, commands, decrees. But if we distill all the different forms of prayer, all the external forms, what is it that makes prayer authentic? And that is my topic for today, authentic prayer. Authentic prayer is communion with God. And communion has two parts, communication and connection. But before I go into that, I would like to ask us a question. How do you see God? Is He a distant being? Is He an angry God? How do you see Him? Is He like an army general just barking orders that you just have to obey those orders? Our perception of God affects our relationship with Him. What He is like in our minds determines how we relate with Him. If He's a distant God, then we're always trying to get close to Him. If He's an angry God, we're always trying then to appease Him. And if He's an army general, then it's all about duty and discipline. Church, our God is not like that. I'd like to share two views of God that I hope will help us to commune with Him. Firstly, He is a relational being. You know, in Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve had first sinned, God came in the cool of the day looking for them. And I can imagine that is not, and that was not the first time God came looking for them. I believe God actually wanted to keep company with them. God is a relational being. In James chapter 2, verse 23, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Church, how many of you know you like to share things with friends? You actually like to go to friends and spend time with a friend. John chapter 15, verse 14 to 15. You are my friends, Jesus says, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus said for those who obey His commands, to those who walk in faith, He calls them His friends. 
And I want to share with you how God actually related with Abraham as a friend. God actually confided in Abraham. Do you remember the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah? Let's look at Genesis chapter 18, verse 23 to 25. And Abraham came near and said, Would you, he was talking to God, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the, the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Wow, isn't that audacious? Abraham really was audacious in that prayer. He asked God, God, don't destroy the righteous with the wicked. And Church, if you read the rest of the passage, you will see there's a conversation. There's a back and forth thing going on between Abraham and God. And in the end, actually God agreed to Abraham's request. And we read in Genesis 19.29, So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, He remembered Abraham. And He brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot lived. Abraham's prayer actually saved Lot and his daughters. But do you know how that prayer began? It began with Genesis 18, 17. God decided, He said this, The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am going to do? God actually wanted to relate with Abraham and tell Abraham what he intended to do on these cities. Church, God wants us to know things. He wants to relate with us. He wants to tell us things so that we know how to intercede for our loved ones. We know how to pray for our city. Our God is a relational being. He's not just a relational being. Number two, He is our Heavenly Father. Now, when Jesus taught His disciples to pray, He said, He started with our Father. In heaven. Now, if you really think about it, that is huge. It's really significant. Prayer begins with this father-child relationship. Jesus did not give his disciples a five-step prayer or some acronyms like ACTS, adore, confess, thanksgiving, supplication. Now, don't get me wrong, church. We need those tools. But to sustain prayer, it has to begin with this father-child relationship. So church is not just a good heavenly father. He's not just a heavenly father. He's a good heavenly father. And we find this in Mark 10, verse 17 to 18. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him. This is the rich young ruler. And he asked Jesus, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. Jesus said that God is good. Good. Our Heavenly Father is good, people. Suppose you have two friends. One is good. The other one, mm, maybe not that good. Who would you go to more? Who would you want to be with? Well, the answer is obvious. The one who is good to you. So if you do not believe that God wants to keep company with us, if we do not believe that He's our good Heavenly Father, then prayer at best is a duty. If we do not believe that he's, He has good in store for us, it's really hard to depend on Him and to trust Him. Our Father is good and He wants to relate with us. So those are the two aspects of God I hope that will help us to come to God continually to commune with Him. So communication, sorry, communion has two parts. Communication 
and connection. That is what authentic prayer is. And we know that to have good relationships, we need to communicate. Communication really is about having good, deep conversations, dialogues with another person. And it is the same for prayer. It's two-way. But church, very, very often, our prayer is a monologue. God doesn't get a word in. We rattle off our list, we tell Him our problems, and then off we go, and we are happy with that. But prayer is a dialogue. It's a two-way exchange. More than a two-way communication, it's a two-way exchange. Let's look at Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus. So in this two-way exchange, we present our requests to God. We present our fears. We present our thoughts, our anxieties, our worries. We give it to Him. We tell it to Him. We tell Him how we feel. And then He exchanges that for His peace. The root word for peace, Irini, is a sense of security and safety. This sense of peace, right, it transcends understanding meaning that his peace stands out, rises above our intellect. It surpasses our reasoning. It's precisely our reasoning of the current situation, of the things that we are going through that causes our fear, causes our anxiety, our worries. But when we pray, that peace rises above what our minds tell us. And then that sense of security and peace comes over us. And then this sense of peace and security, it guards our minds from thinking even more negative thoughts. It guards our hearts from turning away from God in those moments of anger, frustration, anxiety, fear, whatever. This sense of peace is a protection over our minds and our hearts to guard it in Christ. So church, in this two-way communication, we, do, we have this exchange but in communication, we also need to listen. Have you been with someone where the other person does all or most of the talking and then you come away feeling like, oh, that was a bit boring or oh, that was a bit self-centered? You know, when our prayers are monologues, even we find it stale and boring. The act of listening in prayer is actually to make room for God to speak. Psalm 10, 4 says, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. The Bible describes the pride, the proud man, as someone who has no room in his thought life for God. Therefore, the act of listening during prayer is a posture of humility. It shifts our focus from me to God. It is making room for the one who knows all things, the one who has all the secrets, all the hidden mysteries of his kingdom to speak to us. Listening also implies that we believe John 10, 27, where Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they know me. So church, when we make room to listen during our prayer times, we're actually trusting that God will speak to us. So prayer or communication with God is a dialogue. And in this dialogue, we make room to listen. And now we come to the other part of communion, which is connection. 
Connection is what Jesus said and called abiding. Let's look at John 15, verse 5 to 7. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. In this abiding relationship, there are two sides. There's God's side and there is our side. According to Romans 11.17, we are already grafted in. When we made Jesus the Lord of our lives, on that day, the Lord actually has made us connected to Him, has made us the branch and He is the vine. You know, it's a bit like when we get home, our phone is connected to Wi-Fi straight away. And that connection is always on. And that's God's sight of this abiding relationship. Jesus did it for us. However, even though our phones are on Wi-Fi, we may not pick up the phone to use it or we may not pick up the phone to connect to the internet. So our part of abiding in this relationship is when we choose to pray. We pray to connect with God. Let's get back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 9. The Apostle Paul exhorts us, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. I wonder why and I wonder how we can be anxious and rejoice at the same time. It's really difficult, isn't it, church? It's really difficult when we are worried, especially in this time, when we have a lot of fears. How to rejoice? Is the Apostle Paul being idealistic? I don't think so. How can we rejoice in the time of anxiety? Can we do it? Yes, I think we can. Hidden between these verses in verse 5, he says, The Lord is at hand. We can rejoice in times of adversity because the Lord is at hand. This phrase actually means that He is near to us. We have near access to God. But church, He is more than near. He is in us. His connection with us is always on like Wi-Fi. And because He's at hand, we can actually bring our requests, our fears, our anxieties, our worries to Him. And then that exchange takes place. That peace comes upon us. It protects our hearts. It protects our minds. And then our minds are stayed on Christ. And then we can do Philippians 4, 8. Then we can start thinking things that are true, things that are noble, things that are just, things that are lovely, things that are of good report, things that are praiseworthy. We can start meditating on truth when that happens and when we act on truth. Do you know what happens next? Verse 9. Okay, the peace of God comes, but then verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. From a sense of security and safety, to having the sense of His presence, His nearness, His comfort, church. That is what prayer does. Church, wherever you are right now, whatever you are going through right now, God is at hand. He is there with you, going through it all 
with you. Can I encourage you to give all whatever you're going through in your hearts to God? Can I encourage you to just pour out your fears, your anxieties, your worries, whatever it is. God is at hand to hear you. Commune with Him. He loves your company. Communicate with Him. He is already connected to you. Shall we pray? Let's bow our hearts to Him this morning. Dear Lord, I want to thank You that You're not only near, but You are in us and we are in You. Lord, as we come before You at this moment and in this time of a pandemic crisis, we pour all our fears, our anxieties, our worries, the thoughts of God that cause us to be shaken. Lord, we want to give them to You. We run to You, God, because, Lord, You are our refuge. Lord, You are our strength. Lord, You are our tower. Lord, that You give us that strength, O oh God, to walk through these days. Lord, I want to thank You, God, that Your presence is near whenever we call upon You. Your presence is near because, Lord Jesus, You are abiding in us, Lord. And so, God, thank You for the avenue of prayer that we can just relate with you because you are a relational being that you are our good heavenly father you have good in store for us and we can trust our lives our situation our children our homes our work everything our finances to you oh god the world may be shaken but we are not shaken because we have a god who knows everything that is happening we have a god who is seated on the throne we lift you up oh god lord we lift you up in our homes in our families in our situation we lift you up to rule and to reign over us oh god at this time oh god and we honor your presence in our lives and at this moment god we honor you oh god so god of peace i ask Oh God, that your peace, oh God, will just come and transcend our understanding. That your peace, oh God, will be that, oh God, that brings a sense of safety and security over us, oh God. Because God, you are so true to your word, so true to your character. You are the yes and the amen. And we praise you and we thank you, God, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. 